Shalom and welcome to Israel Policy Pod, Israel Policy Forum's podcast. I'm Eli Koaz in Tel Aviv, and we are 24 hours away. The polls will close and we will get the exit poll results, and that will be our first indication about who is going to form the next Israeli government. Will it be Benjamin Netanyahu, the incumbent who's been Israel's prime minister for 13 years? Or will it be Benny Gantz, the former chief of staff? The last polls published before Friday's deadline, the deadline to publish polls in Israel, showed Benny Gantz's blue and white Kacholavan party with a slim lead over the Likud. But at the same time, Netanyahu's bloc, the traditional right-wing ultra-Orthodox bloc, holds the advantage over Benny Gantz's left-center Arab bloc. So as polls open just a few hours from now, we have Tal Shalev, Wala's political correspondent, to break things down, to preview election day. Tal, elections for the 21st Knesset are here. How you feeling? Excited. It's the, now, now it's like now the adrenaline begins because we're finally starting. We're finally starting the fun part of the game. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been a long road and I'm also, I feel it. Um... But yeah, we still have, I mean, after all this, uh, I think everything's open uh, tomorrow. I mean, I think uh, path to a coalition definitely looks easier for Netanyahu. Um, but this is definitely an open race. And uh, especially with what's happened in the last uh, couple of days with both uh, campaigns um, going, uh, trying to just mass votes to from their respective camps, Netanyahu on on the right with what people like to call his Gavad campaign, and Gantz really going after uh, labor voters and voters in his camp. Uh, you actually interviewed Benny Gantz uh, today, so why don't we start with him? Um, how would you how do you rate Kachol Avan's chances? Um, what do they need to happen uh, in order to have a path to a coalition? So. To be, first of all, as practical as I can and to build and to kind of like build my analysis on the latest polls that we that were published on Friday evening and Friday morning, it doesn't seem that Benny, Chan, that Benny Gantz has a real chance of forming a coalition. Um, it's true that he has um, a lead over Netanyahu, some kind of lead. Um, others, by the way, other, there were polls that also showed that it's a very, very close race. So I tend to believe it's a very, very close race at the top. But um, if we count on the latest polls and we count on the latest statements from all of the players, there's really no chance that Benny Gantz um, can get a block of rec- people to recommend him because basically... All of the players have declared that they will um, that they will recommend Netanyahu at the president. All the players on the on the right and what we would call consider the right wing Haredi block. Well, Benny Gantz basically his block, his natural block is built is built out of the Labour Party, Meretz, and the Arab parties, um, and that's the first natural block that we will have to look um, look at. Any other scenario which starts talking about one of these players and any other player joining his block, block 
has to mean that something very dramatic uh, occurs in the final results. So that's why Benny Gantz wants to have a very, very high lead. And he basically started the weekend, um, even the end of last week, pumping the message that he needs to be four to five seats over Netanyahu. The idea behind this strategy is that if Benny Gantz actually um, succeeds to beat Netanyahu, someone who I should remind hasn't been beaten in Israeli politics in the past 10 years. He has never lost. So if he loses now, the idea behind the blue and white strategy is that a loss will have such an aftershock and would lead to, I would say, tremors or moves in the uh, traditional block divide. Um, and so he's been basically focusing his campaign, directly telling the center-left voters, both in the Labour Party and in, Meretz, in the Meretz Party, you need to vote for me because the only thing that matters is, is that I will be the largest party. That has driven Netanyahu into his own Givald campaign. And uh, Netanyahu has been waging the, a similar campaign in the past few days, and we will see this in full power in the next 24 hours until the final polls and ballots are closed. Um, Benny Gantz, what are the chances of him getting five seats more than Netanyahu? I don't know. What are the chances of him actually creating this aftershock? We also don't know. Um, the assumption that there will be players that will be willing to jump sides is a far-reaching assumption. Um, and we should remember that the law... So yeah, I want to talk about the law, and I also want to mention... Uh, this idea of the blocks, um, because it gets a lot of coverage on Israeli media. Uh, some suggest that the blocks are the only factor here. Whichever blocks bigger, that will determine. Doesn't matter how many seats Kaholavan has versus Likud. Um, but I think from the law, that's not entirely true, um, because what the law talks about uh, is uh, it's at the president's uh, discretion. Obviously, after he talks to all the party heads. So in a situation where Kaholavan would be much bigger than Likud, it would be much harder for all the right-wing parties to say, well, this is the will of the people, even though Kaholavan receives, let's say, five or six seats more, which would translate into roughly 200, 220,000 votes more than the Likud. But that's not the reason we're talking about the blocks, Eli. The reason we're talking about the blocks is that traditionally that has been the way that things have been done. There is also, uh, in democracies, tradition plays a role. So traditionally, most presidents... Since, so, so let's like break down the law. The law leaves, basically, it's only up to one person, President Ruvi Rivlin. So, um, and the law leaves a very, very wide, um, wide range, yeah, wide range for interpretation. And basically, Ruby Rivlin, um, by law, all the law says is that he needs to uh, hold consultations with all of the parties, and he has to give the task to one of the lawmakers, one of the MKs who agreed to the job. It doesn't say anything about the largest party. It doesn't say anything about the bloc. By the way, no, no, there's nothing in the law about recommendations. No, nothing. The law is very, very simple. Wait, let me finish. Let me finish the law, okay? 
Let me finish the law. The law says very simply, the president after the elections will hold consultations with all of the parties and afterwards he will give the job of forming a, a government to one of the MKs who agreed to get the job. That's very simple. Over the years, there have been two ways for presidents to give out the role. One way has been by the largest party. The other way has been by the bloc. Um, and um, if you, if we, you mentioned 2009, so in 2009, C.P. Livni was the largest party, but she didn't have a bloc. So um, that's why Bibi got the job. But Rivlin basically can do whatever he wants. So there's basically the day after the election, even though this is all about millions of Israelis going out to vote, much of the direction of where Israel will be going will be defined by Rivlin. Netanyahu has been pressuring Rivlin on this matter for months already. And he is very much concerned that Rivlin will give, give the task to Benny Gantz. And that he's been... Um, pumping to the public through throughout his propaganda in the past few yeah, days. Yeah, it's been in his ads and all sorts of things. Exactly. The idea is to scare his voters and um, to bring the votes to him. So he's the largest party and also has the bloc. Uh, but the risk with both strategies, by the way, both Benny Gantz's strategy and um, Bibi's strategy, is it's that for they, the smaller parties, right? Exactly. Um, the smaller parties are in real danger. I should say that as we speak, it's really unclear what's going to be with Israel Beitenu. It's really unclear what's going to be with Kulanu. It's really unclear what's going to be with Meretz. It's probably even unclear how much the Labour Party is going to get. We have the new right, Bennett and Shaked. We have the uh, United uh, Right, uh, the Union of the Right Wing Parties. Um, all of these small parties are in a very dangerous situation. Yeah. Let's take a poll, for example. Let's take the last poll done by Mina uh, Tzemach and Mano Geva for Ynet the Friday morning, where you have Kacholavan uh, winning by four seats over the Likud with 30 to 26. Netanyahu's right-wing block has 63, and uh, the center-left block has 57. You have Moshe Kachron's Kulanu party with five seats. Uh, Kachron, he's traditionally part of the the, the right wing block, but he he's the most left in that right wing block. You would say, and he said during the campaign that he will recommend Netanyahu. Um, a lot of people say that that's kind of where his voter base is at, and he's kind of given given up because in the last election he had kind of a wider voter base that came from both left and right. So Kachron is looking at this scenario. He sees what the results are. And I, doesn't he have a decision to make? He can either go to a, a, a right-wing Netanyahu government and recommend Netanyahu, and he knows that he has the upcoming um, indictment hearing. Uh, he knows that this government will have a very tough time lasting more than a year. Or he can kind of take a jump over uh, to Kacholavan, probably get uh, maintain the, the finance ministry, and... Uh, and have a a chance to have a more stable government is is that a scenario that's that that makes sense? I I I want to I want to break down um, the the myths here. Okay, so I'm this I'm 
as I explained, the blue and white strategy, and this is what they think is going to happen, is that if they win by five or six seats, they will change the map, and maybe Kahlon will change sides, and maybe Lieberman will switch sides, and maybe Bennett and Shaked will switch sides. Um, first of all, none of these players will switch sides so quickly, especially not Kahlon. I want to remind you that Kahlon is a Likudnik. We can think whatever we want about about Netanyahu, at the end of the day, Kahlon comes from the Likud. And for him to betray Netanyahu and to give his vote to Gantz, I think that something more dramatic than four, five, six seats needs to happen. That being said, there are other things, dramatic things that might happen in the after the elections, for instance. We know that some of the uh, investigation, that the investigation materials um regarding Netanyahu's um, future possible indictments will be passed on to the lawyers and eventually will be reaching the press, meaning that there, um, all of these materials which have been under some kind of a gag order until after the elections, some of these materials include uh, investigations, um, readouts, um, readouts of phone calls, readouts of discussions that Netanyahu has had, um, and will not make his job easier. There are a lot of things that can happen after the election that might change the game. But one should al also keep in mind that Kahlon and Lieberman and Bennett and Shaked are right-wing. Um, there are some of them. Kahlon is true, he's more center than others, but at the end of the day, they all are waiting for the day Netanyahu leaves to try and come back into the Likud and be part of the um, of the Likud party. They're all right-wing. So Benny Gantz believes that if he creates such a big bang and he'll win by five seats, Kahlon will switch sides. I'm not sure that will happen. It really depends on the numbers. And all of these players, by the way, will not necessarily even pass the electoral threshold. So... I'm, I'm sorry to be like a party pooper, but every discussion about all the scenarios that might be in place are very, very amorphic because it really depends on the numbers. It depends on a lot of variants that we cannot take into consideration at the moment. And I urge everyone to like wait not even 24 hours because I do not think that the exit polls are going to be giving us a real clue. We have to wait till... Wednesday morning to understand how the map looks before we understand which side people may play. There's an assumption that Kahlon will switch sides. I'm really not sure that that's going to happen. Yeah, and we don't even know if, I mean, Kahlon is one of those parties that we talked about that are on the cusp of that the threshold. And uh, it, it's uh, what Netanyahu's campaign uh, is doing at the moment is really... Uh, this uh, same we talked about the Gavald is uh, is kind of trying to take all these votes uh, from all these other parties that are uh, of him. Do you think that's the right strategy? Because uh, he could. I mean, this could also. I mean, probably a small chance, but this could be his downfall. Because if he has, if two right wing parties drop below the threshold and Kaholavan are still the biggest party. Then you even get into a situation where where, where the blocks becomes uh, qu quite a bit closer and may even could shift over. So why do you think Netanyahu is trying to do this? Is there internal polling suggesting that he really is trailing Kaholavan by uh, by five or six seats? Um, why do you think that is? 
And you think he's making a mistake? No, Netanyahu wants to win. And so if he wants to win, the only way he can win is by trying to get more votes. He cannot attract votes um, from the center-left side. He can only attract votes from the right-wing side. So I don't think that he's taking a chance. I do think that at the end of the day, um, it's important for him to be the larger party. I also want to say that it, we this has kind of been, you know, wiped out of the election campaign, but uh, Netanyahu is facing a very difficult legal future. Even if he wins these elections, he has a hearing on his way, and he possibly has three indictments on the way. And he's using... That's expected in July, I wouldn't correct? put a timetable on it at the moment. Um, it's been reported that it's been July. Um, and uh, Netanyahu needs to win this election... Um, and he also needs to try and get himself some kind of immunity bill. And he believes um, that for that immunity bill, the, the more votes that he can get from the Likud is better because the Likud will vote with him in any case. But all of these other players might decide to stab him in the back. For instance, Kahlon might decide to stab him in the back. Uh, Kahlon basically has said that he's against uh, immunity bills, even... Uh, this any kind of an immunity bill. Even Bennett and Jaquette have declared that. So from Bibi's point of view, it, it's a price worth paying if he can get his party to be 37, 38 seats. I want to uh, remind our listeners, you talked about uh, not trusting the exit polls. And I think the last election was a perfect example. I mean, you'll, you'll remember that in, in 2015, in, in the last the last polls, uh, the Zionist Union were were up by even four seats, um, I, I think on average, and uh, and Netanyahu did that was his first uh, round of the Gewalt campaign, and in the exit polls that election night, um, I think one of them uh, on channel two it was at the time I think there was a tie, and then on another channel uh, Likud was up by one seat, but then we saw overnight as the as the counting, uh, the the real votes came in. Uh, the Likud like widened that gap dramatically, and it finished with a there was a six seat difference. Uh, the Likud at thirty and the Mahane Tzioni at twenty four. So that's definitely something to pay attention to. Um, for people following during election day tomorrow, what are there any indicators of let's say like high voter turnout is good for Netanyahu? Or uh, is there any, like, what can we be looking for on election day to kind of give us a sign of where things are heading? First of all, I think, as I said, I think we have to wait till Thursday morning. I think that um, exit polls, uh, just about the exit polls, there's a well-known phenomenon in Israel in which um, Likud voters lie in exit polls in order to make them fail. Um, so if that happens, and, and especially after this last, these last four years in which Netanyahu has constantly been inciting against the media, uh, mainstream media, I wouldn't be surprised if this phenomenon recurs tomorrow as well. Meaning that um, there, the, the idea is that Likud voters will put any other, um, ba- uh, any other note in the ballot that's not Likud just to make uh, mix up the exit polls that are going to be on TV. So, yes, the exit polls are something to talk about for about 12 hours, uh, but we need to wait 12 hours. 
uh, and we need to wait till the first results come in. B, a high voter turnout is presumably good for Netanyahu, uh, but um, really could be good for both sides. Um, I think that a high voter turnout is good anyway, so I'm not going to say who's a, who, which side it plays out to. I think that... I mean, obviously, it def- depends where the higher voter turnout is, if you have and higher... If, so one thing that should... So if I so just one thing that you should look at is what is the voter turnout in the Arab sector? Because if the voter turnout in the Arab sector is low, then probably uh, one of the Arab parties, probably uh, Balad, will not be passing the electoral threshold, and that immediately will hurt the anti-Netanyahu bloc by three or four seats. So that would be a good sign. Um, and besides that, all I can say is that you got to wait and see. This is, the, this is the name of the game. I'm, you got the most, um, I got to say, you got the most, most, most um, cautious uh, reporter on air. So um, I, oh, I, we, I'm, we were I'm expecting the grandiose predictions. We were expecting to know the Not entire political map. You can get someone else for that one. Okay, uh, so we're not going to get any great predictions about the election. Uh, let's a- ask about predictions about uh, another uh, minor topic, annexation of the West Bank. Um, Saturday night, uh, Netanyahu uh, decided to, after being criticized for not uh, showing up on an interview on Meet the Press, a popular uh, weekly news show with uh, Rina Matsliach, Netanyahu decided to... Uh, to call in after Benny Gantz had a uh, video uh, interview, and for the first time, Netanyahu was asked if he supports uh, West Bank annexation, and he said yes, and it's in the plans in the next uh, uh, the next government. He said annexation of the settlement blocks and of uh, all all the Jewish uh, settlements in uh, Judea and Samaria. Um, is that just part of this Gewalt campaign, a uh, promise uh, to try to bring votes from the United Right uh, Wing Party, from the New Right, from other parties that promise uh, annexation or achalat ribonut or implementing sovereignty? Or is Netanyahu actually serious? And is this something that maybe the Trump administration could give hand to? What do you um, think? I think it's both. I think that, A, it's clear that it's a spin, an election spin, an election promise that it's not clear that Netanyahu can actually follow up with action because it depends on so, so many other factors uh, around. But um, And clearly this appeals to um, especially Bennett and Shaked's voters. It's a very strong card to play on the right to talk about sovereignty. But um, I sh- should remind our listeners that Netanyahu blocked any, any sovereignty move in the past four years so he's not necessarily he will i don't think he would ever do it without coordinating it with the united states so then comes the question what happens with the trump peace plan will it be presented after the election and does that peace plan include annexation of some israeli settlement blocks i wouldn't be surprised if it does so um i and i do know that when netanyahu came back from uh uh, Washington uh, last month um, and from the Golan Heights uh, 
recognition. He did say that the historical meaning, but has all of the of the move also has a practical meaning, and it says that um, it's a recognition that an occupied territory can stay in Israel's hands. So I believe that Netanyahu thinks that probably on the basis of the precedent of the Golan Heights uh, um, announcement and recognition. Um, he can uh, get more from Trump, especially if he's uh, approaching an election campaign himself. But I also think that there are so many ifs. Um, it, first of all, there are a lot of ifs about the elections. B, there are a lot of ifs about uh, who's going to form the next government. There are a lot of ifs about the Trump peace plan and what's going to happen with it. So I would take at the moment this as an election promise that really depends on what happens. In the end, we could eventually see a national unity government being formed here with Netanyahu in blue and white. And then I would be very much surprised if there would be a unilateral move of annexation without it being coordinated with the United States administration. Yeah, I agree. And we'll, we'll have to wait and see. How that plays out. Um, before we go, I know you don't like giving predictions, but I want, I'm going to try to get one out of you. Uh, any, if you were to predict a surprise in this election, can you give us anything? Any any surprise? Oh, it's, we already know the surprise of the election is probably going to be Moshe Feiglin. Zeut, but Zeut's not a surprise. If Zeut maybe get 10 so seats. I, so if you want, Zeut, if you're really urging me to predict, I'm going to predict that the surprise of the election is that Zehut will not be the surprise of the election eventually and will be much smaller. Uh, but I'm really against predictions. It's against my philosophy, Eli. You're not going to drag me into there. Ugh, okay, well, I love predictions. Oh, so go with that with your friends you, on WhatsApp it, and then you can it, publish it. As soon as you hang up, I'm going to, I'm just going to reveal all these, uh, these uh, secret polls that I, I have. I'm going to explain um, it just with the official results. Let me just end with explaining that I do not, my journalistic philosophy is that my job is not to predict the future, but to analyze what's going on right now. I kind of try to do that. Um, every time journalists try to predict the future, they fail. So I'm not into that business. Sorry. Okay. Well, Tal, uh, we'll have a lot more to talk about um, after elections. Um, thank you so much. And uh, I hope you you get a very well-deserved vacation. Uh, no vacation. Then we have the coalition games begin. Keep it tuned. It's only going to get much more exciting. And then the Trump peace plan, obviously. Exactly. Which is, and then we'll give peace a chance. Uh, okay. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye. Tune in on Wednesday, Thursday. When are, tune in through the election. Yes, and so and so, uh, uh, everybody. We, we're having a post-elections call with Tal Shalev on Thursday um, at uh, two thirty p.m. Eastern time, eleven uh, thirty uh, Pacific, and uh, nine thirty p.m. in Israel. Um, Tal, uh, thank you very much. You're welcome. So, with that, I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in, and since this is going to be the last election campaign season podcast i want to thank uh, a bunch of people for uh all the work they've put into our 120 project covering uh the elections we'll obviously have more analysis and all sorts of things uh, afterwards in the coalition building but i want to 
thank uh, Tal Shalev, who's helped us out uh, a lot with uh, political analysis, and she's super, super busy uh, with all of her work. Uh, we really do appreciate that. I want to thank Evan Gossman, our Associate Policy and Communications Director, for helping out uh, with all sorts of stuff, podcasts, analysis. Uh, he's behind most of the quizzes as well. And I want to thank Sivan Shalev, who's been along specially for this project, uh, helping provide dozens of Israeli campaign ads in English um, and really uh, helping this uh, turn into a very valuable uh, resource uh, for the English-speaking uh, community in the United States, in Israel, and, and around the world that have interest in these elections. We'll be back with lots of analysis after tomorrow. And for our listeners living in Israel, go vote.